ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome in uh, to the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. If you're listening to us on the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Wilson or Champagne's Going the Extra Mile. Here to talk with me for the next hour, mainly about Rage of Cajun Baseball, though. When, uh, when Bab and I talk, we sometimes just get off track. I feel like it's, you know, entertaining enough. I think it's quite all right. Yeah. You know, just a conversation goes somewhere organically. You just roll with it. That is assistant coach for Rage of Cajun Baseball, Anthony Babineau, the Cajun lifer, as I like to call him. I mean, Tone Loke. Tone Loke. Quad City DJs. Tomorrow. You're, you're so bummed you're not able to go to Patty in the Dude, park all my tomorrow. my friends have tickets. I mean. I want to see Tone Loke. Because I have to do, I, I don't know if I'll be able to get close to him. But if I do. I want us. I want someone to film me, and I just want to bend over and just say, "Hello, can I ask you a few questions?" <laughs> and just, I have no idea if he would laugh or if he'd be like, "Get your bleepity bleep out of here!" Like, what the heck is wrong with you? But man, I mean, Ace Ventura, and of course, I mean the Grammy-nominated Tone Loke, Funky Cole Medina. Oh. It'll be a hell of a lineup tomorrow night at Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light and Nixon Auto Insurance. Now, Bab can't go because Cajun Baseball will be traveling. They begin conference play this weekend at Troy. They play in Lake Charles against McNeese State tonight. Talk about um, a long history. 175 games all time between the Cajuns and the Cowboys. Cajuns have a chance to win their 100th tonight in the series all time. How many of those do you think you've been a part of? Well, roughly two a year for the last 27 years. For not being, I mean, once upon a time they were in the same conference, but for for two teams in different conferences, thats I don't know if it's official, but that's got to be the most matchups for a non-conference opponent all time for you. I I would have to think so, yes. That, and I know, well, you said for a non-conference opponent. Right. right? Yeah, no doubt. It has to be them or, or, you know, one of the, State other state schools, but probably McNeese would be would be at the top. History there, obviously. You know, Robe um, had had a history there, and he's honored there. And there's for a non conference opponent, there's a familiarity there. What is your in in your time, whether it be as a player as a coach, which game against the Cowboys do you remember most? I think I remember the one when I was playing the most my my last year I was able to I wasn't a pitcher I was an infielder but I was able to get on the mound really for one game for a couple innings and I gave up three runs the first inning I went out because come to find out they were they were they had our signs and they had our pitches and they were calling pitches and then the next inning they weren't and I struck three out so it was like a tale of two two innings 
I'm uh, glad you so, found so, out that they were doing that. I'm sure I know it, it made me with feel, your confidence. It made me feel a lot better. <laughs> it, it really did. Um, so that was probably one of my most memorable. There's been a few just because it's like you mentioned, it's been such a great rivalry and, and it means a lot to both teams. The game means a lot to both teams. Big crowds whenever we go there, big crowds when they come here. It's a very, very tough venue to play in. They always they always have a good team. Uh, seems like they always, you know, have got big hitters, good hitters, powerful hitters. And, and um, you know, they'll run good arms out there uh, also. So it's a, it's a tough game. You know, obviously another thing that everybody looks forward to when we go to Lake Charles is, is the post-game meal which is Daryl's <laughs> sandwiches, um, some of the best around. But you got to get the, the roast beef with the gravy, right? Every no doubt. Yeah, the Daryl special, for sure. That's all. I mean, yeah. I've, been, I've had Daryl's a few times, and I don't, I don't veer away from that. Yeah, the couple of times throughout the, my career that I've just forgotten about it for whatever reason, I mean, I almost didn't make it out of Lake Charles. But it's a, it's a, great, it's a great series. It's a great rivalry, and... and I have no doubt that it'll be any different tonight. You know, Peyton Havard will take the mound for us, and we're just going to look to build off of of some momentum that we've got from this past weekend in the Houston series. Peyton Havard, the right-hander, one and one on the year, four point oh ERA. Let's let's dig into pitching for a moment. So, was that your only time that you you pitched during your career? Was that game? How, how did you? You so you're an infielder, but you pitched a few times. How did that come to be? Well, I just pitched that one time. That one time. So I would just mess around in the bullpen during practice. Now I pitched in high school like we all did and had a fairly decent slider. So I would just mess around in the bullpen and tell our pitching coach at the time, I would say, Coach, I mean, I, if you ever need, sure. you know, Fair, yeah. I've got a decent slider, you know, whether it be mop up or just get us out of a tough jam, you know, just messing around. And he'd say all the time, he said, I'll. I'll get you in there one day. I'll, I'll get you in there. I'll talk to the head coach. I'll get you in there one day. Well, that one day, <laughs> we were at How McNeese. How were you? We were at McNeese in the, the, I don't know, seventh or eighth inning. He comes up to me, says, hey, Bab, go to the pin. I said, well, we need an extra bullpen catcher or something. He says, no. <laughs> he says, no, go get hot. I said, to come in the game? He said, yeah, go get hot. You want to pitch, don't you? And it, you know, we all up. So he's calling losing? my bluff. Really, yeah, I was like, right. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanna. That's great. No, we were down. We were down a few, and uh, so I go get hot and I come in and our starter that day had gotten roughed up a little bit. I think he lasted maybe a couple innings, and so I come in and like I just mentioned, the first inning, give up three. Uh, Greg Babineau who was one of their catchers, or he, who was their catcher at the time. No relation. I think... Somewhere distant. Somewhere distant, gotcha. yeah. We know each other very well. I saw him not, uh, the other day, not too long ago, uh, inside of Hilo's Grocery, uh, we talked. But he hits a home run off of me, and like I said, they scored three. I'm like, man. So I'm thinking, okay, well, get the third out, and I think that's going to be it. And I guess they didn't want to use any other at the time I didn't know all of this you know I know now but I know now I know why I went back out because they didn't want to throw any other pitchers because we were down you know a few runs late so he says you're gonna go back out I'm like damn okay so I go back out and 
Bing, bang, boom. Cup three strikeouts, one, two, three inning. I'm like, well, what happened the first inning, man? <laughs> and then, like I said, come to find out um, that they were calling our pitches. And I remember I went in the dugout. You know, I struck out three in two innings. And our starter that day, he, like I said, he had a rough day. I think punched out one in three or four innings. I went up to him. I said, man, what's so hard about this, man? I struck out three. Did he want Two innings. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, he liked me. We were good friends, but. Anyway, that did, was why. Did you know, so you knew when that, like, when that ended, you, were you like, okay, that was it. I'll never do that again. Or were you like, all right, coach, hey. No, that was, that was one and done. You that that was, was it. That was the one time. That was thing. your arm. He your appe- after. <laughs> coach appeased me and, you know, move on. That's funny. ESPN Lafayette. Well, um, let's get back to pitching. El Jefe, the leader, the chief, the boss, Jeff Wilson. Um, coach Matt Deggs told me Monday, guys always been – a glue guy, a leader, not, you know, he's vocal when he needs to be, not the most boisterous guy, always deflects praise. But seeing how the team reacted Sunday when he finishes that complete game, as good as he pitched in that game, you're always going to celebrate after a win in a performance like that. But I mean it. I mean, when I say you could tell from the teammates how much they love that guy. Like, that was a special moment, not just for him, but I felt like the whole team on Sunday. Well, it really it really was because it was it was one of their leaders who had experienced that success. And as you just mentioned, the things that Matt said about him, I mean, he's a clubhouse leader. He respects everyone on the team. Everyone respects him. He takes care of every, everyone. He looks, he has everyone's best interest in mind. So when someone like that, that you respect so much and like so much, does great things as as he did on Sunday, you're just overjoyed for him. And like you said, I mean, you can just, it's like he had thrown a no-hitter, right? The way that, you know, the whole staff and the whole team kind of went out to the mound and congratulated him. And he, he deserved it. He really did. Uh, he was He was everything that we needed on Sunday. You know, he had just as much to do with the offensive output as our position players did because when the pitcher is doing what he's doing and and just giving the other giving the opponent no life and just not giving them anything the hitters can just relax they don't have to worry about coming back from anything it's just tacking on feel free it's almost like you're playing an inter-squad game really so he had just as much to do with with that victory as a as the as the offense did and well-deserved Sunbelt Conference Pitcher of the Week award that he received yesterday from a guy that goes from reliever to, you know, starting role, weekend rotation on Sunday. Um, I know for, you know, and just talking to some fans and people that follow the team, they weren't, I wouldn't use the word shock, but it wasn't something that they were necessarily expecting going into the season. Um, and, you know, he's he's looked good. Um, he's transitioned well. It, I, it's obviously not a surprise to you guys, but... Did you ever foresee him being uh, something other than a guy that, that comes out of the pen and, and the role he's in right now? Well, that's that's what we had intended for him to do. You mentioned, you know, the, the bullpen role. But at the same time, he has some durability, obviously. And a guy that can mix and match things like that and, and just manipulate the baseball, that's very, very effective against a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It really is, especially, you know, against an aggressive offense uh, because he can back it up, spin it, locate it, sink it. He can, and not everybody can do that. 
they really can't. I mean, he doesn't have the power of fastball, obviously. You know, when he gets it up there, his getting it up there is 89 miles an hour. Yeah. But that's plenty good enough when you can do, when you can manipulate the baseball. So the fact that he's got some staying power, so to speak, and, and can can go a few innings, obviously he, he went all of them on, on Sunday. That's really the definition of a starter. So, and we didn't have... A, a defined one, two, three, so to speak, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So we felt that he was going to be a good matchup against Arkansas, you know, weekend two. He was, um, and he just kind of continued that, and, and it kind of culminated with that masterpiece that he threw on Sunday. It was it was good stuff. It was a good series win um, <clears throat> against Houston. Now you're getting, you know, we mentioned McNeese State and, and what you have tonight. You're getting ready for conference play. Are you – coaches often say we want to have a few questions answered by the time we get to conference play. Well, it's here. Do you what's, – what's a question that you feel like has been answered and what's one that you, you feel like, you know what, we're, we're still trying to settle in on this as you guys get ready for Sunbelt play? Well, I think you've seen things start to solidify themselves with, you know, the offensive players that – have taken the field, the pitchers that have thrown, you know, one of the questions, as I just mentioned, you know, the starting the weekend rotation and Tommy Ray has done a pretty good job on Fridays. Jeff has done an excellent job on Sundays. Saturday has kind of been a revolving door for us a a little bit. I think what you're going to see this weekend, uh, Tally is going to take that Saturday start for us. Now, it takes him off of Friday night, which he's been really good coming in behind Tommy Ray. But we feel that Tally can be almost, if he will change a few things, he can be almost what Wilson is, but from the left side. Because, you know, he's not a power arm, so to speak. You know, 89-90, these days, that's not a power arm. Those, those guys are a dime a dozen these days. But the ability to manipulate the baseball three pitches, commands the strike zone. So, you know, if he can do that for us on Saturdays, again, that just allows the offense to relax and, and gives us a little um, stability as far as the starters go. Now, Bonds started this past Saturday, but we think Bonds can be a twice-a-weekend type guy, as can Jacob Schultz. So, and that's probably what's going to, need to happen if Tally goes to that Saturday mm-hmm. spot, which, you know, he will this weekend. So if if he can do that, then that's a question answered for us. Now he's got to do it with consistency, obviously, like Ray sort of has and, and Wilson has. So we'll see how that goes. But but we're looking forward to the weekend and conference play. But as you mentioned, you know, the most important day is the one today, and we've got to take care of, of McNeese in that game and then head on into Troy tomorrow. Pat Peyton Havard getting the start tonight. Um, what stands out about him to you guys, the staff, so far this season? Well, the biggest thing that he has done since he has arrived here is he's just he's always had the ability to compete. He, he's commanded the zone a little bit. He's done a tremendous job transforming his body, which has allowed him to become – you know, a better pitcher. It really is. He's in better shape. And, 
he just commands the strike zone. He he's he believes in his stuff. Again, not a power arm, but enough to keep you honest with his secondary pitches. And he just believes that he's better than you when he's on the mound. I mean, you should see when he throws in inter-squad games, it, it, there's just a belief that, that he's going to get it done. And that's half of it. It really is. The, the mental side of it is is half of, of being successful. He believes that that he can have success, and because of that, he, he usually does. You know, last year, Araghetti didn't have the – wasn't like he was throwing liquid queso, but first of all, he was really good, to be fair. But you used to say – all he knows is in his mind he's going out there and he's he he always feels like he's about to throw a perfect game. Like that mental confidence is there with him, and that's a big part of it when you're a pitcher. Right. Yeah, it it dripped off of Arigetti. I mean, you had to pick it up behind him, you know. But um, some tortilla chips. Right. right? Absolutely. Uh, ESPN Live, he had the best ticket in sports. Scott Prather visiting with uh, Anthony Babineau, assistant coach for Louisiana Rage and Cajun Baseball. They are in action tonight against McNeese. Cajun's batting average went up quite a bit over the weekend in the series win over Houston. We'll dig into the hows and whys of that when we come back and dig into uh, the Sunbelt Conference, kind of what's happening in the Sunbelt so far this season. More Cajun baseball talk, and I have a few rules questions for Bab as well. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. That's Bab. We're right back right after this. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. into the great scott show coming to you from the espn lafayette studio sponsored by bed rivers every day at bed river sportsbook louisiana you'll find line specials daily boosted out parlays of the day and more march madness really gets underway tomorrow i know they have some two more play in quote first four games tonight but tomorrow's when the fun begins i don't know around 11 15 or so and you got hoops all day wall to wall um why? I know that in, in baseball it's different in that you have your regionals and you have supers and everything else. But what is it like? Why does the bracket only seem to work in college basketball? Other sports, in, in terms of like, I guess you see it and you immediately just think it and you fill it out. Like, why is it in other sports people aren't like filling out brackets all the time? And like, man, let's get together. There's just, there's no duplicate. That's a good question. I guess maybe because the visibility and, and <clears throat> what they've made March Madness or turned it into, and you, you've got the whole bracket on the page, you know, the other sports. I mean, football, you know, they kind of did that with bowl picks. You know, they'd list all the bowls. They and, tried. And yeah. They tried. Dos Equis tried this big campaign, and it's like, it's just, it, it ain't working. Right. But, you know, and in baseball, like, 
you just mentioned you have the regionals, the supers, so you don't know who's advancing, but still it could all be put on a page, obviously. But I don't know, basketball, just the way that bracket is, and everybody looks forward to filling out that bracket and keeping track of, I know when I was younger doing it, you know, for fun, could could never do it for money with the rules and gambling and all that stuff, being a, a coach, but just doing it for fun and keeping up with it. And I would highlight the team if I'd oh, yeah. won and at every night, you know, on the weekends, I'd go and look and see how many yellow highlights I could get and see how good I could get them. We'd do it. We'd do it back in like middle school. Like one kid would have a printer at their house and we'd like convince their them to convince their mom to print out like a bunch. Right. And then we'd all put it in and you'd, you'd write it in pen. Mm-hmm. And then if any kid ever had one scratched out, we never believed him. We're like, you're cheating. You're cheating. <laughs> but it was in like, you know, when I'm like nine, no one's like putting money in. But it was like, it was always there. I think really what it is, it's just, it's that single elimination. Like that, the the drama of it. Like when you're in a situation, mean, we, we've talked about, oh my word day, Stefan Trosclair's Grand Slam from years back. But the drama of that was that you're in a situation where you lose and it's all over. And as it turned out, you guys played for a few more weeks. And that mm-hmm. was the big moment that sort of propelled it. But the drama of this, this is it. You want to keep playing, this is it. You can't, from a, from a viewer standpoint, just from a fan standpoint, you can't duplicate it. From a coaching and player standpoint, how does it change? I mean, obviously, you want to say your mindset's the same all the time, but when you know, like, this is it, it's going to change your sort of, I guess, mentality and decision-making a little bit. Well, when you're watching it also, you just, it's the ultimate passion for the game as a fan, watching it. Yeah. As you said, in a, in a one-and-done situation. I mean, everybody's giving it their all from the players on the court to the players on the bench to the Coaching staff, making sure that they're making all the right moves, pushing all the right buttons. It it is different, obviously, in a in a one and done because nobody wants to nobody wants to be done. Nobody wants to be done at that point. You want to continue to play. That's what you play for. If if not, you know, you don't last. And we've talked about like the shared emotional experience you get with a live crowd at Mm -hmm. a sporting event Mm -hmm. and Players and coaches feel it, man. That energy is it's, it's palpable, you know. And if a big moment happens in a big game and it's, man, if we win this, we're moving on. If we lose it, it's over. You, you feed off of it. And if a tough moment happens, that it, I feel like everything emotionally is just magnified tenfold. That's really what, what, what happens. Yeah, not just emotionally, but everything during the game is magnified also ten times yeah. over yeah. Because, of, because of the situation. But... You know, obviously in the basketball tournament, it's what you live for. You live for that one-and-done situation because it means you're in the tournament, right? In baseball, it's it's a little different because there's a lot of double elimination formats. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you get to a situation, a game where it's, you know, win or go home, obviously for everybody except except one team. So that's that's sports, man. That's, that's what you live for, and, and that's the fun of it. A big at-bat in a big moment, there's nothing like it in and- it's either going to be the pitcher or the hitter, but one of them's about to create... Well, both are about to create a memory for life, but one's going to be good and the other's going to be regret. And right. You know what? That's that's sports. That's part of what makes it awesome. Um, speaking of at-bats, you guys, over the weekend, you increased your batting average by almost 25 points. Um, Houston's pitching, your hitting, 
which one weighs most heavily? What was the biggest key in your mind to you guys batting wise? Seems like it's it's progressing throughout the season as as y'all would hope, but what was the big key in your mind to you guys going up as much as you did over the weekend? Well, we had we've been starting to see a um an increase in the the quality of their at bats. You know, we watched these guys for the last six months and when we know we have a good offense, kind of a rough start getting out of the gate. I mean, we face some very good teams with some very good arms. You know, we haven't played any nobodies. Not that there are nobodies out there, but but we played some stiff competition and faced some really, really good arms. Now, those those good arms, they've prepared us a little bit for down the road, and, and hopefully what we saw this weekend is, is the culmination of those those tough at bats early in the season, learning some things, using that knowledge that we gained to see the result that you saw this weekend. I mean, Houston had some good arms also. I mean, Sunday was was ninety three to ninety five and, and but we were able to get to him and we were able to just get rolling downhill and, and it was tough to stop us. It really was. And I think the guys finally got to the point also where they surrendered the outcome. They 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 weren't worried about the result of the at bat so much. When when you do that and you're not worried about striking out or lining out or flying out if you're not worried about the outcome usually you can you can perform better you really can and i think that's what you saw especially sunday and you know it, getting 17 hits is is not the norm obvious obviously but once something like that starts and and you get to 10 then 11 then you get to 12 and it just keeps going you know hey. usually when you get to 12 you end up with 17 18 yeah it's one of those type games and, and you can just really make your opponent want to pack up and leave, and that's what happened. That's what happened Sunday. Uh, it really has. We've been on the other end of it, I, you know. Gladly, not many, many times in in the lot of the many, many years that I've been here. But we've been on the on that end of of things, and it's no fun. I mean, it's tough. You know, we all say, "Hey, you know, we're never out of the fight," and you really aren't. You have to believe you're never out of the fight, but. It's it's tough to really truly keep that mentality right when you get down. In the top of the nine, ninth, ten, the eleven, knew they were out of the fight. Correct. Right. No disrespect Correct. to them. I mean, absolutely, they, they'll say what they want, but it's it's coming. Um, you know, it's it's just the 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 swinging momentum. It becomes contagious uh, in baseball. Now, I speaking of momentum. It, I, I feel like momentum is is a huge part of sports. In in game, right? That's where its biggest impact is. From game to game, is it overstated at times? Like I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but a lot of folks will say, "Man, you won last night. You won on set. You've got all the momentum in the world." How how much of it is is it at play? Because I I hear coaches sort of with that balance say it's a brand new game. We can't worry about what happened yesterday. I think I, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like momentum in sports is bigger within a single game, maybe than it is game to game, if that makes sense. Well, I think it is real game to game because that's how you get these, that's how any team gets in a 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15 game winning streak, right? You, you use momentum from the last game 
you draw on positive experiences. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's in a good mood. So I think it's real. However, that can all be stopped by one guy on the mound on the other team that says, you know, not tonight. So, and when you run into that guy, a lot of that's when the that's when the win streak stops and the and the momentum stops. So, but I do think it, it is a real thing. I, I agree with you. I think more so in the game than game to game. But I do think you carry it from from one night to the other, one day to the other. I do think that's real. ESPN because of I'm sorry because of like I said, just the the positivity that you take from what happened. Yesterday. Gotcha. And you're right. Everybody says, hey, yesterday's home run won't win today's game. But yesterday's home run is going to make you feel really good about yourself in today's game, right? Sure. And when you feel good about yourself and, and more confident, you can do better things. Well, on the flip side of that, is it is it easier to, if you're on the wrong end of the momentum, it, I feel like it's easier to sort of sort of scrape the, I don't know, scrape the, the leftovers off the plate, clean the plate, get a fresh plate than it is in a game when it's happening. Is that, am I off on that? Just, I mean, I'm, you, you know more than me. I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> like, is it, is it easier to stop momentum in a game or whenever it's game to game? I, well, again, like I said a few minutes ago, that's up to one dude. <laughs> one dude has that's control true. of that. That's true. That's a dude true. 10, inch higher than every, 10 inches higher than everybody else. That's right. That's right. That's who stops it. And that's why pitchers are just cut differently. Absolutely. They're just made different. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Anthony Babineau, Louisiana Rage Occasion, assistant baseball coach, our guest. Some uh, rules, good ones, bad ones, as it comes to, as it pertains to college baseball. We'll get Bab's thoughts on that. And I'll just have to remind him about the lineup. He won't get to see tomorrow night that he's really bummed out about. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott Show continues right after this. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on The Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. Into the Great Scott Show. It is March 16th. That'd be 316. Stone Cold Steve Austin Day for many. Give me a hell yeah. I imagine in your years of playing and coaching, you probably had some teammates that were into the wrestling quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. What is it about wrestling that you just want to reenact it? I mean, I'm sure you've seen, I'm sure you've had guys on your team just give each other stunners. A lot more than a lot more than stunners, <laughs> rock bottoms, yeah, joke slams. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's entertainment. It's just it was fun to watch. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. As I remember when I was a kid, 
laying out, laying down on the ground in front of the TV, watching the Junkyard Dog, Mid South Wrestling, and he went to the uh, the, the the Yam. God, what is it called in Lapalusas? Yam believe Yam Yeah, yeah. He, he he went there one time when I was very young. JYD. That's right, dude. Rest in peace. Um, Correct. Except, like my my six year old, like his favorite thing in the world is just wrestling. Like not like with me, not necessarily. I, I kind of limit some of the things he he can and can't watch. But all he wants to do is just have me perform wrestling moves on the bed where I like throw him up and he lands on his back, and it's all he ever wants to do. <laughs> it's part of the things I have to like bribe him with to be good at school. I'm like, no, you, you know, you had that mark today. We're not wrestling this week, and he's just like devastated. That's all he wants to do. It, it's something about, and I, I'm not saying that, like, my daughters, they kind of like it. I think they just like it because he does it. There's just something about young boys that just want to just thrown around in a ring or pretend to be a wrestler. I think one of the fascinations, too, you know, if you watch it as you get older, is, is okay, who's going to win? Who's scripted to win? Right. You know, who do they have in the script? That, it's a great art what's gonna, form, man. What's going to happen next? How How is this guy going to win? Is he going to win? What's he going to tell the crowd? Is the crowd going to start chanting his now? You know, it's just kind of a fascination with the whole script. It's, I mean, it's a movie. It's uh, art. It, it's, it really it's is. Art. It's it art. Really it's is. hard to do what they do, especially at the highest level. Um, now, I don't know that they should implement a rule in baseball that will allow you to, you know, cut a promo before you come to your at-bat that would be pushing it a little too much. I think you'd have a lot of hit batters. But what is a rule in baseball that um, college baseball that you've always felt is you know this is this 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 could probably be altered here? Well, there haven't been. Well, I guess the last few years there's been rule changes as far as trying to speed up the game, and you know one of the things that is just silly to me really is. You know, I know you've probably seen when pitchers this year step off because they want a new sign or they're not comfortable with the pitch or just for whatever reason, they just give a, a crazy arm fake to the base that are, is occupied by a runner as if they're faking a throw because if they do that, then they don't get a warning from uh, the umpire about pitch clock yeah. violation. Yeah. You know, if you don't do that arm fake and you just step off – it's a warning uh, that you're taking too much time. So that's that's what that's what that all is all about. If anybody's wondering, that silly arm fake when they're not even looking and they just step off. And yeah, <laughs> do that arm fake. That's so don't you don't get a a, a pitch clock so warning. Silly. It, it really is. I mean, I don't I don't know what that's doing to speed up the game, but you know the rules as far as the game is being played hasn't really changed that much. One thing that I've always worried about is is why is the running lane from home the first outside of the baseline, but yet the base is on the inside of the baseline. It's like you're, I don't know. You have to be in the running lane. Yeah. If there's, if there's a play, if the ball is nearby, if the catcher's making a throw after a strikeout, whatever you have to be in the running lane, but, but yet you have to touch the base. So the running lane goes from the foul line to the right of the foul line as you're going to first base, but yet the base is foul line left inside. I don't get it. And then if you, it's, it, I almost feel like it's inviting injury. Like you're running all out and then suddenly you're just, you know, like dip your left foot out just at the last second or. Well, it's, it's a, it's a fallacy, so to speak, if you ask me, because nobody, nobody runs in that, in that lane. Yeah. 
I mean, at the very most, I guess is the right way to say it. At the very most, you're going to be on the on the baseline, yeah, which is at the very at right best, edge, the, the very right edge of the base. You know, nobody runs inside of that, but yet no. that's where the running lane is. That is where you supposedly have to be if there's a, a, a close play. I remember when I lived in New Orleans, I played in this slow pitch league like when i was like 22 or 23 they just called it a beer league there was this one guy on the other team that was i mean we talk about wrestling he was like built like goldberg i mean he was just hitting dingers and we had no shot he was just playing first and like i had a little ground out kind of you made me think about it i'm not paying attention where i'm running in the lane i ran not looking just looking at the ball being thrown i was late not no surprise i ran right into this dude Boom, and I, I, he did not move. I hit the ground pretty hard. And afterwards, I just got lectured about the running lane. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, that's stupid." You know, what am I? Come on, trying to get on base, right? Yes, being Lafayette. Uh, we'll open up phone lines. Anyone has a question? I saw a few lines lit up, and they they hung up. But uh, if you wait for us, we'll get to you three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Back in Babs' playing days, that was when Tone Loke was nominated for Grammys. He will be here in Lafayette tomorrow at Patty in the Park, along with Quad City DJs and Rob Bass, along with great locals like Clay Cormier and the legend himself, Wayne Toops. Patty in the Park, sponsored by Bud Light Next and Go Auto Insurance. Downtown Lafayette Park International. Gates open at 5. Music starts at 5.30. Get your tickets today. At participating Legends locations on Bertrand, downtown Johnston, Pinhook, Pub, Scott, South Vero, all of those Legends locations, you can get it, or at eventbrite.com. If you wait till tomorrow, it's going to cost you 25 so get your tickets today. $20. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a few years since we've had Patty in the Park because of COVID. It's the other part of it, Bab. What's it been like? I know last year... It was different because there were limited people in the stands and everything else. And then they kind of opened things up. But it was late in the season. And at that point, people were still iffy. You could tell from opening weekend against UC Irvine, like, okay, Russo Park in terms of that atmosphere is is back. It was a reminder of how much the, the fan impact is on the game. How, how nice has it been here through 15 games to just home and road, just having college baseball back to, to what, you, what you guys know it, know it to be? Well, it's great, obviously, because you love seeing the crowd. You play for the crowd. You feed off the crowd. The best thing about it, obviously, is just the fact that it's not a topic of conversation anymore. It it, it doesn't doesn't come up. You know, I know that there's it's still out there. We all know it's still out there, but it's not out there enough to be a topic of everyday conversation. And that's the that's the best part about it for, right. for it, us. The conversation isn't a fun one to have. It, naturally, it was one that had to be had, but it's not like I, I like when we get to talk about fun stuff. You know what I mean? I mean, you're coming off a series win. It's Tone Loke's coming to town. Bab's excited, even though he can't see him. But like, I know we're going to have a fun conversation. It's you know, the, the the Saints thing happening now and Deshaun Watson. Like, it's not really a fun conversation to have. A lot of people divided. I'm like, this, this is really what you want for years to come. Like, I remember um, the Aaron Brooks Jake DeLome thing. Brooks was clearly hurt. Saints fans wanted, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago, but Saints were 9-4. and four. His shoulder is shot, put in Jake. It really divided so much of the fans, and then it carried over for seasons to come, and I was like, there's nothing fun about this. Mm-hmm. I like 
when a fan base is united, when Saints fans are united and hating the Falcons, like that's fun. You know, when Cajun fans are united coming off of a win, they're about to play South Alabama, they're talking trash. That's fun. I, I'm with you. Like the it's nice that you, you know, like you said, you don't have to talk about it anymore. And I imagine as you that you know, the scheduling, director of baseball ops, all that, like you probably had to have that conversation maybe more than anybody the last year or so before this season. Well, just keeping up with the protocols and the testing and what needed to be done for the players. You know, fortunately, you know, the trainers did a tremendous job and took care of just about all of it. But you're right. I mean, I had to be informed of when this was going to happen, how it was going to happen, making sure guys did this and that and trying to keep everybody informed of new policies and, and so on and so forth. But again, the fact that it's not a topic of conversation anymore has has been the best thing. It yeah. really has because it's, like you said, it's it's not fun conversations. It's back to business as usual. We all like we all like business as usual, right? I mean, obviously, there's time for conversations about different things. But you know, like you said, the thing with Brooks and Delome, and um, you liked when there does not that, and now Watson, and and you like when Saints fans are united. Saints fans were united because. You knew, I mean, Drew Brees had something For to do years. with that, right? Brees Sean, Pey- Sean Payton had something to do with that. They were winning. So everything's hunky-dory. It's more fun that way. Everything's hunky-dory. You don't have to worry about all these other things. So, But going back and to answer the question, that best thing is that we don't really have to concern ourselves with it anymore. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Coach Babineau mentioned junkyard dog a minute ago and seeing him at the Yambalese center back in the day and what 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 player in your years of coaching would have like okay it's halloween i know they're dressing up as a wrestler because they're like hardcore into it hmm we had i remember we had a group that what was uh, was it poets i Uh guess Uh uh-huh poets was a was that the club over over off a of Collie Saloon. Pinhook and Collie yeah. Saloon. Yeah. Poets used to have a big, well, all the clubs did really, but this one particular group went to Poets and they all dressed up. And I think that was, um, I think it was a few clubs after the Omaha Club. Early 2000s. Early 2000s. I, I remember there being a big deal about the, them dressing up. And I remember seeing pictures and there was, there was some pretty good costumes. <laughs> There really was. Speaking of players wearing things, last question for you, Bab. We appreciate you coming in. I know last year there was some necklaces, I'll call them, that maybe uh, a pitcher would get to wear mm, after a certain mm-hmm. performance. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you, – you you, and Coach Deggs talked about it a little bit, but not, not a ton. It was more of a in-house thing than a public thing. Is there something like that this year? Is there something being maybe passed around this year, or, or is that is that a thing of the past? No, there's nothing like that this year. That was something that we had last year for pitcher, a hitter, and an overall what was kind of performer. Was, was it dog tags, or was it me? Yeah, it was dog tags. Okay. It was dog tags. One for the pitcher, one for the hitter, and then one for just an overall badass. <laughs> Badass of the game, correct. We'll, we'll call it that. Um, but no, we don't. We don't have that this year. We've we've got we've got some sayings, you know, that we use, and and we try to 
You know, we try to be uncommon. We try to be savages in, in our play, in our, in our actions. But there's no... I saw Houston as... You know, I don't know what it was. Uh, when they hit a home run, they'd lay something on the ground and, and they the guy would pick it up and they'd make a sound. I couldn't make out what that contraption was, but they had something. But no, none of that this year. We're just trying to go about our business and surrender the outcome and just play as loose and... And free as we can, really. Louisiana tonight against McNeese State. Peyton Havard starts for Louisiana, 6 o'clock first pitch. 5.30 pregame, you'll hear it on News Talk 96.5 KPL tonight. Um, this weekend, Louisiana at Troy. Uh, you've got uh, Tommy Ray Friday, as Bab told us earlier in the show. They're going to start Brandon Talley on Saturday. That's the plan. And, of course, the reigning Sunbelt Conference player of the uh, pitcher of the week, El Jefe Jeff Wilson, on Sunday. Bab, it's always fun coming in, man. I'm sorry you won't be able to experience Patty in the park tomorrow night. You know, I thought at the very least, I was excited to come in today because I said at the very least, cutting in, coming back, he knows I can't be there. He's going to play Tone Loke. He's going to play Rob Bass. He's going to play Clay Cormier. I mean, plenty of opportunities to go in and out. I just didn't want to rub it in your face, but I mean, if you insist... You know. And we go a little something See? like this. <laughs> See what I'm talking it. about? Classic. Classic. Thanks Alex, for coming in, man. Alex from Stroh's. Hi, Come on. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah, man. Good to see you, Bad. We'll right, do it again next week. Dan Patrick Show coming up next. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Tomorrow, uh, Ralph Malbro, um, Trey Wingo scheduled to join me tomorrow at 830. Looking forward to chatting with him. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. The girls are jocking at the other end of the bar. Having drinks with some no-name chump when they know that I'm a star. So I got him and over to the other side of the cantina. I asked the guy why he's so fly. He said, Funky Cole Medina.